You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4, continuing here. I'm Patrick Dumas. Got Alex Brody and Noah Adler in another room here, just beside me. Going to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline here in a moment to talk with Andrew Patterson of uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's the Manitoba 3, Andrew. Got Alex on the board. Got me. Got you. It's it's good. Good province. Good uh, good time to talk. Have, has the thaw begun yet out there? Uh, well, the thaw has not begun here in the peg. <laughs> um, I can I can confirm that. Uh, and frankly, I have personally just thawed out from um, spending about seven or eight hours out in the cold at Arrowhead Oy. Stadium on Sunday, watching that era, that AFC Championship game, but. Being a good Manitoban, I was prepared for this Yeah. by that Bomber Rider West final a couple of years ago that was an absolute <laughs> icebox. So, um, yeah, uh, not a lot of sun tanning around the uh, middle of the country right now, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, a lot of people getting away with the uh, NHL break happening right now. For sure. Uh, we'll, we'll get into your, your Chiefs here in a second, but we'll start with the big story of the day. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, hanging him up, I guess, for a... Second year in a row, but it feels like this one's for good, he says. Uh, what are your quick takeaways from uh, from Tom Brady's uh, retirement speech today? You know what? I mean, I got up and fired up the old social media app and saw what Brady's talking about now. And then, <laughs> you know, it, it seemed to be um, short, sweet, sincere, and to the point. And, of mm-hmm. course, he acknowledged that there was quite a bit that went around um, you know, his retirement and then unretirement last year. I'll be honest, I'm surprised. I mean, I really thought that considering everything that he gave up um, to play last year, that he was in, you know, for at least one more. I know things went poorly with the Buccaneers, but there certainly would have been opportunities elsewhere in the National Football League to keep him going. And I'm just sort of surprised that a guy that had such a great mm-hmm. career as he did, would maybe go out on such a downer note after that miserable season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we can't overlook the fact of, um, I mean, the guy's, what, 45 years old mm-hmm. right now? I mean, it's, he, he's, he's one of a kind. And the fact that he's done it at this level for so long, I think we almost take for granted that he can just keep coming back and doing it. But I was very surprised. I, I kind of thought that we'd be talking about Tom Brady for the next couple of months. Where is he going? And it was even more um, probably keen on the idea of him coming back after what happened on the weekend in the NFC Championship game with what would be a pretty nice landing spot mm-hmm. in San Francisco um, and a real need considering what happened to Brock Purdy. and He's going to be out six months. I mean, who knows what that quarterback room is going to be like heading into next season. Yeah, I think this is a situation we maybe have to to monitor for sure going forward. Maybe he gets the itch come May, come June. Who knows? We've seen it before with, with Brett Favre, Brady last year, so... Who knows? I don't think uh, until we, until week one rolls around and Brady's not on a roster, I don't think we can believe it. Uh, we had a goat debate earlier on in the show. Uh, like who among North American team sports? We had Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. Gretzky's winning the poll at forty two point nine percent. Obviously, hockey power out here in Calgary, of course. But in your opinion, out of those three, who do you think is the greatest in all of North American team sports? You know what? For their careers. I, you know what, I think I'm going to have to take Brady um, as mm-hmm. much as it pains me to do so. Um, listen, he's got the rings, the records, the longevity of his career is unparalleled. I mean, there's, you know, like with all of those players, I would say uh, Jordan, obviously you've got the Jordan LeBron comparison. And 
I mean, Wayne Gretzky, uh, and this might be a hot take, but I believe Wayne Gretzky had the best career ever in the National Hockey League's history. But I actually think Mario Lemieux played the game at the highest level that it's ever been played. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had injuries. He had cancer. I mean, he, there were some things that conspired against him as far as the career that he had. But, I mean, Gretzky is the gold standard for N- NHL careers. Tom Brady is the gold standard for NFL careers. Um, I could argue that Patrick Mahomes is doing things now that Tom Brady could not and has never been able to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're talking about those three, I think Brady and what he has done, his accomplishments, there's such a big gap against the next guy. I think i got to give it to Tom. Yeah, uh, that's that's who I went with at least because that's like because I'm I'm a, a younger elder, I'm only 31, but it's like because I saw Brady's career, I saw Gretzky at the end, I, I saw Michael Jordan at the end, I saw what Brady did, and and I, I never nobody instilled more fear in me watching the game than Tom Brady. Uh, you mentioned your, your your guy Patrick Mahomes there. You were out in Kansas City, uh, obviously an electric atmosphere out at uh, at Arrowhead. Uh, how was that uh, with that? And uh, how are you feeling with the Chiefs and uh, Eagles in, a, in a next Sunday? Well, that was, I mean, I've been lucky enough to get down there a lot over the years, but that was, um, that was one of the most incredible days I've ever had as a sports fan or a media member. And that includes a whole whack with of Super Bowls. And I mean, obviously, I mean, being a big Chiefs fan, I mean, you know, you're really able to get into it, being in the stands, being a part of that crowd was amazing. Uh, and that was a heavyweight tilt. I mean, the Chiefs had waited an entire year to get back at the Bengals. They lost to them in the regular season. I can never remember amount of trash talk between two teams, mostly coming from the visitors yeah. um, that surrounded a game like that. And then, you know, you've got an incredibly passionate fan base of people that were cranked up to 11 for the entire afternoon in the middle of the freezing cold, over 70,000 on just an incredible stage, and the game delivered as well. And there was a lot of talk about refereeing. I mean, yeah, there were some iffy calls both ways. That bizarre replay of the third down was something that I think kind of really made people scratch their heads. Although, I mean, if you look back, there was one of the refs jumping onto the field, calling the timeout, and it was what it was. And it's sort of too bad that, you know, one of the most boneheaded penalties in NFL history is mm-hmm. going to be what is remembered as uh, how the Chiefs were able to even have the opportunity to kick that game-winning field goal. Um, but I'll remember it as, uh, you know, Mahomes once again establishing himself as an all-time great. I mean, he on one leg, what he was able to do. I mean, that the touchdown pass he threw to MVS was real close to us. And it just, I mean, with what he was going up against, and let's not forget, in the second half, there was no Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. There was no Kadarius Tony. There was no Miko Hardman. I mean, he was throwing passes to a number two receiver that had four career catches and 24 tackles. He was a special <laughs> teams player. So it was um, it was incredible. Yeah. And, and, and listen, everything that went into that game, I thought, was absolutely great for the National Football League. A little bit of bad blood, mm-hmm. a lot of trash talk. And uh, listen, the Chiefs were, uh, were full marks for the win. Uh, now they got to get healthy and get ready for an absolute juggernaut of a Philadelphia Eagles team uh, coming up in what uh, ten or twelve days in uh, Glendale, Arizona. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be. A, a, I'm pretty excited for this one. I think it's going to be a real intense game with two of those offenses going the way they can play defense, run around the field. It's going to be a fun, fun atmosphere down at State Farm. Uh, Huss, we'll talk about uh, the, the NHL club in your neck of the woods, the Winnipeg Jets. Was that third period comeback against St. Louis maybe? up to this point, the biggest win of the season for them. You know, heading in, they lost three straight, heading into a massive bye week. 
You were going to be three points back at Dallas, now just one point, especially those efforts against the Sabres and Flyers, which were probably their worst games of the year so far. But how big was that win? Oh, it is hard to put it into words, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, the Jets have had an amazing, amazing first 50-odd games of the season. And I think they've exceeded just about everyone's expectations to where they are. Rick Bonus has done just a phenomenal job. But, man, were they limping into the break. I mean, they had lost a 2-1 to Nashville, I guess, last Tuesday. They'd come home to play the Buffalo Sabres. And, I mean, the score was 3-2 at the end of the game. They scored two late ones. It flattered the Jets. They just weren't ready to play. And credit to Buffalo for being really good. And then the 4 nothing loss on home ice to Philly, I think, really had people concerned. And you started to hear the Boo Birds. Mm-hmm. Rick Bonus was spitting fire after the game, yep. calling out his top players and saying that he should thought the fans should have booed more. So coming into the game on Monday, there was a lot of tension around the club um, and a lot of tense people in the fan base as well. And, man, Jordan Bennington stood in his head for the first two periods. Oh, yeah. It was not that the Jets were playing poorly. They were actually playing quite well, although they, man, they were 0 for 6 on the power play. And, the Boobirds started coming back out. And, and this, we will always remember that game in Winnipeg as the Morrissey game. Mm-hmm. Josh Morrissey, yep. who has, I mean, has been maybe the story of the year amongst many for the Winnipeg Jets overall and is heading to the All Star game. He put hit that team on his back. And I'm not sure if you saw the replay of his reaction after he scored. Oh, yeah, going right to the crowd. The Get up. <laughs> It was, and that was so out of character for Josh. Yeah. And I tweeted at the time. I mean, I don't know. I think we, I don't think we have to wait till September. You can give that guy the C right now. Mm-hmm. He has turned into um, such a leader on this hockey club, and uh, I don't think there's any doubt. It's kind of funny. It's the two Calgary natives that I think we often think will be one of the you know the next captain of the Winnipeg yeah. Jets, either Adam Lowry or Josh Morrissey. But the way Josh has turned into not only one of the top defensemen in the league and a real difference maker, but a guy that is the, is the leader. And he showed, I think he can be somewhat of an emotional leader for the team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they responded, both the crowd and the team, it really was a special win for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, when you think about the fact that it was just going into the break, I mean, I'm sure they'll feel better about themselves and have a bit, hopefully more fun getting away from the rank, not dwelling on what had happened. Uh, but part of it, you kind of wish there was another game right away to keep that mojo mm-hmm. going because it really seemed like Josh Morrissey almost individually with that play and that reaction changed the course of that game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised that at the end of the year we're talking about that night as a very pivotal one for the Winnipeg Jets if they can make the playoffs and compete in the Stanley Cup tourney. How much can you credit maybe Rick Bonus? Uh, and him being involved in the, the the way Winnipeg is now with the resurgence of Mark Shifley and, and even Blake Wheeler under Bones, and now we've seen with Josh Morrissey. Is it a lot to do with Rick Bonus, or is is this, you know, Morrissey, we knew, he was always, you know, he was top 13 pick, top 14 pick, you know, this guy had the talent, but I don't think we ever saw he could be an elite number one defenseman. Uh, look, guys, I've been around the game for a long time. This is unequivocally the best coaching job I have ever seen um, in a single season in the National Hockey League. I mean, Rick Bonus, I I use this uh, this analogy on Winnipeg Sports Talk, stumping for him to get a little bit more love for the Jack Adams. Yeah, the Jets were such a mess coming out of last season and through the off season, and really didn't have much change as far as the roster. 
And Rick Bonus came in. It was akin to going into a burning building, saving everybody in the building, putting out the fire, and removing all the fire damage. Well, a guy like Jim Montgomery went into a beautiful mansion and just tidied up a little bit. Yeah. Um, Rick, Rick Bonus has changed everything about the club from day one, taking the captaincy away from Blake Wheeler and full credit to Wheeler with the way he's responded to that. Like we all realize something like that can go one of two ways. And mm-hmm. he has, he's, it's been an incredible show of leadership, the way he has handled that and fit into the club. Um, but the way the team has played, the ability to let his defensemen be more aggressive, which has been one of the real keys to Josh's monster season. Um, and, and frankly, uh, an honesty and accountability that was completely, completely absent during the majority of the Paul Maurice regime. Mm-hmm. Um, these team, these players are looking themselves in the mirror. They're being honest with themselves. The coach is being honest with the media and the fans, and it's made a far more likable and a far more competitive hockey team right now. And not, and they're one point out of first place, which I don't think anybody had at this point this year. And, I think a pretty good chance of making some noise in the playoffs when you start off with a guy like Hellebuck in the pipes. We're talking with Andrew uh, Patterson, a host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Huss, I think we we know what the, we know what Shifley does. We know what Ehlers and Connor and and Morsey and we we know that the group of forwards and the decor. Still, the best player on this team is Connor Hellebuck. Five out of the I I did research because I, I I always see this like out of the five out of the six seasons he's been a full time starter. He has led the league in shots faced. That guy sees so much, so many shots in a, in a season. And like the Jets, credit to them, they've brought that shot total down. I think they're middle of the pack in shots allowed this year. But just how intense is Hellebuck his work ethic? I listened to him on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast with Merrick and Friedman. He, he's such a good, such a great character. Just how good is his worth work ethic in? And despite all the work he takes in. You know how they say goalies are weird? Well, Hellebuck is weird in the best possible way. Yeah. He is entire I mean, he's one hundred percent committed to being the best that he can possibly be. Um, speaks to that work ethic, what he does behind the scenes with uh, Wade Flaherty, the Jets goalie coach. Um, but also as you mentioned on the thirty two thoughts, I mean he's one of the most interesting guys mm-hmm. to hear speak in the NHL. I mean, it's as if he does not have a uh uh, the, his BS level is zero. Yep. I mean, he, even during the tough times in the last couple of years, I mean, when you put a mic in front of his face, he was not sugarcoating or holding anything back. And that was something, you know, you almost get numb to with the amount of that you get from national hockey leaguers on a regular basis, especially in times of adversity. Um, and he's, he's the ultimate teammate as well. I mean, you're exactly right. This dude has seen so many pucks over the last number of seasons. And to be perfectly honest, the reason why he won the Vesna was because he was so brilliant and the team was so bad defensively in front of him. Uh, they certainly gave him the opportunity to show how good that he is. Um, so, you know, when bonus came in this year, there was a, a couple things that they needed to do. But number one was make Connor Hellebuck's life easier. And they certainly have done that. That's a big reason why you see a uh, you know a 13 increase in the save percentage to 923, um, and a knocking off about half a goal a game from his goals against. Um, he's the rock of this club, the foundation. It starts in net with Connor Hellebuck, and um, this team knows they've got a world class goaltender that gives them a chance to win every night, and that's a big big part of their success. 
Kevin Shoveldayoff said he's ready to seize the moment should it arise on March 3rd's deadline. And I think that moment is pretty good. The team's in a good spot. Uh, they'll have probably just a little over $9 million in available cap space at the deadline. What makes the most sense for this team? And I do say this as much tongue-in-cheek as possible. If he waves, would Jonathan Taves fit? Oh, Taves is a Taves is a, a big topic on Winnipeg Sports talking around here right now. And you know, we have heard rumblings that he's open to doing that. Um, and he'd be a great ad. Like obviously, I mean at this point he's probably he's not a top line player no. like he was when he was winning those cups back, you know, ten years ago. But listen, I mean the Jets, one of the, the biggest pet peeves from bonuses side of things is the lack of success in the face off circle yeah. and what's that done. He's the best in the biz mm-hmm. at that. Um you know, he could play on your power play. He would certainly be able to help on the PK. He could play in the middle six, whether it be center or on the wing, and take the majority of faceoffs. I-, I love the idea of Taves coming back here. And the great thing about that is that with his contract, his age, the fact that he's making $10 million this year, ten five, um, the asking price for Taves is not going to be what it is for a Horvat or a mm-hmm. Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. So I think it sort of does fit. And credit to Kevin Sheveldayoff. I mean, I know there was a lot of pressure to do a number of things. The Jets haven't done it. They've been out under the salary cap. They've been building up cap space every day this season. And they're in a position where they could actually add a contract like that as well. Now, if you talk to most Jet fans, I mean, Taves would be nice, but a yeah. real priority would be a massive difference maker up at the top of the lineup. Timo Myers, the apple of everyone's eye, but I'm sure that's the same in about 20 other markets yeah. right now. Um, and, the, and you know, adding somebody on the blue line that can play legitimate top four minutes right now. I mean, as great as Josh Morrissey's been, and Dylan DeMello's sort of a perfect partner for him, uh, allowing to do what he can do. Neil Pionk, who's consistently been a top four defenseman, and a couple of years ago, arguably, was the Jets' best defenseman, yeah. has had a really rough season. Um, offensively, he's certainly doing what he needs to do. He's getting some points, but man, there's been just so much chaos in the Jets' end, and it often uh, surrounds number four. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, from an organizational standpoint, they're looking at uh, a guy that can really improve that and have Pionk move down in the lineup. Um, and maybe not play the significant minutes that he has right now, um, whether that's a Jacob Chikrin. I mean, you, you know, Winnipeg, well, they're never going to be the big player in the free agent market. Yeah. So to get a player like Chikrin that has two more years at 4.6, I think it probably makes a lot of sense for the Jets to do something like that. But um, it will be interesting because there's obviously only so many players and prospects that you can trade mm-hmm. to add to the lineup, and there'll be plenty of competition. Um there's a lot of names that have been thrown around, but I would not be surprised if you're hitting me up in a month saying, hey, let's talk about Jonathan Taves coming back home. Yeah, and I, another name I was thinking, I, I've always liked, Luke Shen, I think would fit so well on that back end. Yeah, Luke, I mean, he's having a strong season right now yeah. and obviously would love a life preserver to, uh, to get out of band. Um, you know, the Jets have players that I think, you know, Logan Stanley's one of them, and he's been injured mm-hmm. uh, on a couple of occasions this year and has come back but has struggled in the last couple of games. I think there was a hope that Billy Hanela was going to be ready to go nightly in the NHL, and he certainly could play mm-hmm. probably on a more on a bad team right now. I mean, he's talented enough to do it, but I don't think they've got the confidence that come playoff time he'd be able to handle the big boys yeah. in the Central Division. Um and Dylan Sandberg has, has done quite well as uh, you know his first year as a regular, um, but you're exactly right. A player like Luke Shannon, he has been mentioned. You know, you get that veteran experience. 
uh, you know, some size, some ruggedness, a guy that will be able to back up his teammates when things get real coming down the stretch into the postseason. Um, you know, that is the sort of player, uh, whether it's he or a, uh, a reasonable facsimile uh, that Sheveldayoff will certainly be looking on uh, if they're not able to get and pay the price for, you know, a guy that can play top two line minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Huss. This was great. Uh, all the best out there. Where can we find uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk? Yeah, we're, we're live every day on YouTube uh, from 1 to 3 Central. So I guess that two. is uh, yeah, noon to 2. Uh, but yeah, just subscribe to the channel and you can check out uh, the latest. I mean, obviously we hit a lot of the Jets topics, but we hit everything. Have a lot of fun on it. And um, if, you're, uh, if you're into sports betting, check out Lockshot Bets on uh, YouTube as well. Crank out a few episodes. A little slower right now without hockey and mm. waiting to the big game, but we'll have a lot going on next week. And uh, obviously, I'll hustle around on all the social channels if you want to get at me. Us, all the best. Thank you very much. This is awesome. We love what you're doing out in Winnipeg, and we'll do this again very soon for sure. Pleasure, boys. Great chat. Thanks for having me. There you go. It's Andrew Hustler Patterson, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and he joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same re- secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. There's some uh, rumblings uh, from the world of uh, football, uh, soccer. Uh, It sounds like Canada might need a new manager, Alex. It's looking like John Herdman is uh, getting, yeah, he just has to cross the the T's, not the I's, but looks like he's going to be the new uh, head coach of the New Zealand national team. I don't get this. If it's true, like, obviously, hasn't been confirmed yet. But, like, I would understand if he was going to coach club soccer. Like, if he was going to go coach, like, a team that is maybe fighting for a Champions League or Europa League spot. But I don't get this move completely. Like, what are your thoughts on it? He sounds, it's, like, it sounds like he's trying to do the same thing that he did here in Canada. Build a program up from, from the bare bones and get him into the World Cup, which... I mean, in 2026, New Zealand will likely be guaranteed at one of the spots because Oceania will be going no matter what. So this is where, but I'm also, I was also in the mode of, hey, maybe can, this is time for Canada to go out and this is their time to go out and find maybe a European manager or something, maybe somebody out in South America that can just bring up this talent and get it to the next level where they want to be. As good as John Herdman was for, for the men's team and definitely for the women's team, I think Canada can, can find, do, can do better. And there are better managers out there. It's just a matter of Canada soccer have to pay these guys yeah. to come to Canada. And that's, that's always been an issue. And that has been a massive issue with this program. But that's a story to monitor. Is, uh, it looks like John Herdman heading to New Zealand. Uh, up next, uh, we'll have a replay. Uh, we'll, we'll play the GOAT conversation again. Uh, looks like uh, Wayne Gretzky did win the poll. Uh, the poll question is uh, the greatest of all time among North American team sports. But we'll get into the debate on, uh, on the Brady-Jordan-Gretzky front. Up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.